Well, we are in a series, we're starting a brand new series called Work Matters. And I've really been, I've really been interested in doing this. Honestly, it, it, was a, it was a thought in prayer that I had a year ago. And I've just been praying about it and waiting for the right time. And a couple, couple weeks ago, actually a couple months ago now, I just felt like th- this is time we need to talk about this. You know, here, here's what statistics tell us, is that in your working life, you will spend 150,000 hours of your life at work. 150,000 hours at work. For all of our students in this room, by the time you graduate from whatever level of education you graduate, the average student will spend 105,000 hours in school. Isn't that crazy? Just, just to bring that to, to help us out, that means of our waking hours, you know, a time that we're not sleeping, we will spend 40% of our waking life at work or at school. And so I think this is really important to talk about because following Jesus isn't just meant for the hour and 15 minutes that we spend together on Sunday mornings. Following Jesus is meant to be something that we take into our workplace. That we're not just followers of Jesus when there's spiritual people around us. We're followers of Jesus when we walk into the pit of hell for some of you, you feel like, right? Some of you go, I work at hell. That, that God has called you for this season, not that you need to spend the rest of your life working in that place. And actually next week, we're going to talk about what if you're working in the wrong place? How do you know? What do you do? We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that next week. But for now, for this moment at least, you're working in this place. How can you work in a way that your work matters, not just for your paycheck, but that your work matters for the kingdom of God. Because work matters. In fact, here's a crazy thing about work. If you look all the way back in scripture, the very beginning, the word for work and worship are the same word. Isn't this interesting? That the very beginning, God meant for our work to actually be worship. In fact, the first instance of work in Scripture was blessed by God. It wasn't a drudgery. It wasn't this thing of, oh, man, I got to wake up and go to work. Like, God gave work to be a blessing that we actually can flourish when we're doing what God has called us to do. Look at Genesis 1, verse 28. We'll put, we'll put this up on the screen. Genesis 1, 28. God blessed Adam and Eve, them. He blessed Adam and Eve. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the seas and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of earth. See, for for the original man and woman, for Adam and Eve, it was actually a joy to be able to be responsible, to be stewards over everything that God had entrusted to them. It wasn't, oh, I got to do that again. Like, they loved it. They woke up excited about what they were going to get to do. It was incredible. But then something happened. Sin entered the picture, right? In fact, when you think about it, God had given Adam and Eve a garden. And this wasn't a garden like maybe the backyard of your grandma's house, like garden. This was like a garden, the size would be at least the size of Sandusky County. I mean, this was the biggest garden with with several rivers that ran through it. It was this incredible, incredible place. And God said, listen, Adam and Eve, you guys can eat of everything. Any tree in the garden. Think about a garden the size of Sandusky County. You can eat of any tree in this garden. There's just one tree that you're not allowed to eat from. And they're like, man, that's awesome. And then the deceiver began to do what the deceiver does. 
And the deceiver says, did God really say? He began to cast doubt on the heart of God and, and the motivation of God. And can you really trust God? And they decided, you know what, maybe God is actually hiding something from us. Maybe there's wisdom and knowledge and understanding that they had this fear of missing out, FOMO, right? And so they decided, we're going to eat from this tree, and they ate from the tree, and they disobeyed God. In a sense, they said, God, we think we know how to run our lives better than you do. We're going to do what we want to do. You can step aside, thank you. We will be the masters of our own domain. They sinned. They rebelled. They rejected God, and there was consequences. Like any good earthly father will give his children consequences when they step over the line. God says, there's consequences for you disobeying me. And one of the consequences, this is actually in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, God is speaking to Adam and Eve, specifically to Adam, but he says, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. And so we take work which was originally meant to be a blessing, and now it is cursed. Even work itself becomes cursed. Now it includes futility, despair, broken relationships, toil, blood, and sweat. And yet the mandate to work, even in the midst of it being cursed, continues. Not too many verses later, in Genesis 3, verse 23, it says, So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. And so we have the instance of Adam waking up going, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, right? And it becomes this thing that I have to. Not this thing that I get to. It's this thing now that I have to do, right? And we get that, don't we? We get that. Now here's, here's the awesome thing. That's the bad news. The awesome news is that one day the curse is going to be reversed. One day work will go back to being an outright blessing. Work will be 100% worship. You see, Jesus is going to come back. And we're not going to spend eternity floating on clouds playing harps for the rest of eternity. There will be the new heavens and the new earth. And in the new heavens and the new earth, guess what? We are going to work. God is going to give us responsibilities. You say, really? It's in the Bible. You should read your Bible. We will be given responsibilities. In fact, if we're faithful here on this earth during this lifetime... God will be faithful. He will give us more. He will give us more responsibility in the new heavens and the new earth. Crazy thing, right? But in the new heavens and the new earth, our work will not be cursed. In fact, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, this will blow your mind. Revelation 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. I, I, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Serious. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. I mean, that should get an amen, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine a new heavens and a new earth where there's no curse? There's no curse on our relationships. There's no curse on our work. Like when we work, we're working and it is all to the glory of God. 
It's all, I'm not comparing my work with Pastor Aaron's work. I'm not comparing. It's, it's not like this thing. Like everything, my 100% motivation of work is glorifying God. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. So what do we do in the land in between? What do we do in this place of, of, of work being cursed? What do we do in this, this tension really that exists, right? Like, how, okay, Ken, that's great to have this vision of the future, but that's in the future. I live right now where work is still cursed. And how many of you could say, my work seems cursed? Right? You're like, I, I get that. How many of you students in this room go, my, my, my school is cursed? Don't, no, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, right? Some of you are like, yes. What do we do in this place in this land between, in this place of looking forward to the curse being reversed, but in this place where what we live in, it's the reality, right? I think, I think one of the things that we can do, and in all situations, when we, when we find this tension, we should look to the example of Jesus. You say, well, what does Jesus know about work? Jesus actually knew a lot about work. In the Jewish culture, Jesus would have started working full-time at the age of 12, and scripture tells us that he didn't start becoming a rabbi, he didn't start becoming a religious leader where he was going around teaching and performing miracles and all that until he was 30. So for 18 years, Jesus anonymously, without anybody really getting who he was, in fact, if anything, there was questions about who his daddy really was and, and him having to deal with all the gossip of town, a small town, Jesus for 18 years just worked in anonymity without anybody even getting who he was. And I bet he worked with excellence. I bet he put his heart into his work. In fact, Dorothy Sayers, who's an incredible writer, she's written some, just some great stuff. She said this about Jesus' work. Um, she says, no crooked table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever, I dare swear, came out of the carpenter shop at Nazareth. Nor if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth? I don't think Jesus ever just kind of winged it. I don't think Jesus, I mean, sure, he probably came, sure, he would wake up having a bad day. Maybe he didn't sleep right the night before. Jesus, he gets us, right? He understands us. He's, he's been through it all. But Jesus gave it his all. Not just in giving his life on the cross. He gave it his all in what he did. Here's the point. Your work matters. Now, it's not number one yet in your notes. We'll get to number one in your notes in a moment, but this is the title of our series. Your work matters. What you do matters. And if you don't believe me, look throughout Scripture, and you'll see example after example of individuals whose their work, their work mattered. Their work actually prepared them for what God had for them. Abraham was a cattle trader. Joseph dabbled in wheat futures. Luke was a doctor. The first Ethiopian convert was a central banker. Dorcas was in the fashion industry, and yes, her name was Dorcas, and I feel bad about that. <laughs> Rahab worked in the oldest profession known to man. If you don't know who Rahab is, Google her. And yet, God chose each one of those individuals. In a sense, you could say that their work prepared them for the task that God had in front of them. Paul says this in Colossians 3.23. He says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
Oh, that's so good, I'm going to read it again. Okay, it's up on the screen. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So listen, you don't just work for Whirlpool. You don't just work at the middle school that you attend. You don't just work at Krogan Colonial Bank. You don't just work for Prometica. You work for the Lord your God. He's your ultimate boss. You work for him. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I'm just going to warn you as I say this, trying to quote this paragraph as a guy who has a lisp is a little dangerous, and you're going to understand in a moment, okay? Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He says, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, sweep, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Isn't that an incredible quote? Yeah, I hope you're clapping for the quote. And I, yeah. Like how incredible to think that whatever it is that you're doing. See, we live in a time, and, and this has crept into American Christianity, where we have this divide between the sacred and the secular. And so we begin to believe, and I've heard people say this, well, pastor, your job really matters. I'm just a custodian in a school, or I'm a student in a school. Can I, t can I tell you, in God's eyes, he sees no difference. There's no difference in what you do and what somebody else does. We work with what God has entrusted to us. We are faithful stewards with what God has entrusted to us. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul is writing. He's writing to a group of Jesus followers in an area called Ephesus. Now, this is part of the Roman Empire, and what you got to realize is that this time, the working class of the Roman Empire were called bond servants. These were individuals who even doctors and, and even uh, teachers would be these bond servants. And over half of the empire, would be, anybody who was in the working class fell under these categories. And the Apostle Paul says this, he says, bond servants, they would be anybody who's employed, anybody who's working. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as a Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Listen, I think there's several things that we can get from what Paul has to say. And by the way, this applies to everybody in this room. Maybe you're here and you say, again, like the students, maybe a student would be like, well, this doesn't, I'm not working. Yes, your school is working to the Lord. Your, school, your schooling right now matters. It's important. Maybe you're here and you, you work in the home. And you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't get paid for my job. It doesn't matter. Your work is important. It's valuable. It's having a lasting impact. Maybe you're retired. Let's give it up for all the retired people in the room, right? Come on. Listen, I know, listen, I talk to retired people and they say, I'm working harder now than I did back when I, I mean, I'm constantly getting called by my kids or my grandkids to come and help with something, to watch the kids, to do something around the house. Listen, regardless of where you are, you work, whether you get paid for it or not, you work. And I think the first thing that we need to understand from what Paul has to say in Ephesians is, number one, attitude matters, your attitude matters. Your attitude is so important when it comes to your work. In verse 5, Paul says that we are to obey with deep respect and fear and with sincerity. 
Now, the word fear isn't meant that you're supposed to be afraid. There's supposed to be respect in how you approach things. The truth of the matter is most of us in this room actually, well, maybe not most of us, there's there's a lot of you in this room that you do have it rough. I've had conversations with some of you talk about what, what your work environment is like and what your boss is like or your supervisor. Some of you students in this room, you have it rough. I can't imagine going back to middle school today. No thank you. Listen, I get, I get it is rough. And yet, here's what I want you to understand. The people that Paul originally addressed this to, they didn't exactly have it made either. These Christian bond servants often worked in unsafe, unhealthy, and unclean conditions. They had difficult and often even impossible assignments. And yet Paul says, obey with deep respect and fear and with sincerity. So can I just ask you, what, what kind of attitude do you have toward your work? What kind of attitude do you have toward your schooling? Do you constantly have a negative attitude? Or do you see it as a gift from God, as an opportunity to serve him? I remember 12 years ago, I had the opportunity with several people from our church to go to Haiti. And we worked with Mission of Hope. We actually have 17 people signed up to go to the Dominican Republic with Mission of Hope in June. But this was a trip to Haiti. And and I mean, when you go overseas, especially to a third world nation, Haiti is one of the most impoverished nations in the world. And and your eyes are just opened, right? I mean, it's not, that, it's not that you mean to take things for granted here, but when you see people who really have nothing, your eyes are opened. And one of the things that I experienced in Haiti, we would, we would go and work with schools and with these feeding programs and everything else, and, and we would encounter these students, and the translators would translate for us, and they would tell us how far these kids had walked to get to school that day. And listen, I know some of you had grandparents, who used to tell you that they would walk uphill for 17 miles in a foot of snow. It was always uphill. I don't know what it was. Both ways uphill. And we laugh at that, right? But can I tell you, in Haiti, I came across these students who would walk three, four miles to get to school, and then they would do the same walk, three or four miles to get home, and they would be so happy and so excited that they got chosen, that they got selected, that they were ones who actually had the privilege and the opportunity of getting an education. And it totally humbled me. It totally humbled me, because can I just say, I have not always had the best attitude toward my schooling, toward my work. And here were kids who were just like, I can't believe I got chosen that I get to go to school. What kind of attitude do you have toward your work? Do you have toward your schooling? Do you see it as a gift from God, as an opportunity to serve him? See, one of the greatest messages of Christianity is that no matter what happens in life, you still have a choice. You have a choice in how you respond. What you choose to think more than facts, more than circumstances, more than anything else will determine the atmosphere and the environment in which you live and work. Can I just say that again? What you choose to think about your boss, about your teacher, about your coworkers, about your work in general, man, what you choose to think about it has so much impact in what actually happens. Your attitude matters. Your attitude matters more than you realize. Choose to constantly think the worst about your job, the worst about your boss, your teacher, your fellow employees, and you will have the worst job in the world, I promise you. 
Choose to look beyond the negative to see the positive, and you will see the opportunity that God has given you. Your attitude matters. And can I tell you, people around you, especially if you've been vocal about being a follower of Jesus, they are paying attention to your attitude. They're paying attention. And listen, I know they're going to razz you when you have a positive attitude. Because they're going to razz you. got people who are mean no matter what you do, right? No matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. And they're going to razz you when you have a positive attitude. But listen, they're watching. They're watching. I thank God in this church, we, I love when I meet someone and they tell me, oh, I work with somebody who goes to your church. And I'm always kind of, you know, you have that cringe where you go, and what kind of experience has that been? <laughs> what kind of experience has that been? Can I tell you, almost always it's, oh, they are such a great coworker. Oh, I, I love working with them. I love that that's the testimony of people who attend, and not just people who attend Journey, people who are followers of Jesus. We should be known at our workplaces as the people with the best attitudes. Just recently, the Sandusky County Chamber of Commerce decided they're going to start selecting a teacher of the month. And they go in, they surprise them, they give them like 100 bucks in school supplies and stuff. The very first teacher they selected was Tara Roselle over there. And Tara loves that I just said that. Like right now, she's just like, she'll kill me with her eyes. Why do I bring that? I think that that, can we give her a hand? I think it's pretty awesome. Especially if you know the story of the work environment that she works in. It's not always the easiest environment. She excels. She has a great attitude. Can I tell you, we could go around this room, Right? Like, what is your attitude toward your work? How do people see you? Attitude matters. Would you say that with me? Attitude matters. Now turn to someone next to you and just look them in the eyes and say, your attitude matters. Your attitude matters. Some of you have been waiting to say that. You're like, I got permission to say that. That's so awesome. I love that. Come on. Okay, let's keep going. Attitude matters. Number two, effort matters effort matters the apostle paul says work hard but not just to please your masters when they are watching as slaves of christ do the will listen we're slaves of christ he is our master jesus is our master when we say jesus is lord you know what we're saying we're saying jesus is master i'm going to do what he tells me to do he's the one who calls the shots in my life he says as slaves of christ do the will of god with all your heart work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the lord rather than for people the idea here is that we should be doing what we're supposed to be doing when the boss is watching us, when the teacher is watching us, and when they're not watching us. So 100 years ago when I was in high school, I don't know if they do this now, but uh, you, had to go, you had to be in gym class. It was a requirement your freshman year and your sophomore year, right? And I remember my freshman year in particular, it was, the first, it was my first class of the day. So you'd walk into gym class and literally you'd just woken up like five minutes earlier, right? So you go into gym class, you've just woken up, and I remember Mr. Caldwell, I went to Edison, E-D-I-S-O-N, go fight, win, any other charges in the room? Yeah, come on. So uh, I went to Edison, and so um, Mr. Caldwell was my gym teacher, and he would do this thing where he would have us do these push-ups, and he said, I'm sure every school did this, right? And, but he would, he would start out our gym class with this, and then my man, Mr. Caldwell, would walk to his office behind the bleachers, trusting that we're all doing these rock star push-up sit-ups, right? 
And you know exactly what happens with a bunch of freshman guys who have literally just woken up. Like, as soon as he's watching us, man, we're giving, like, army best, like, push-ups. And you can tell by looking at me. As soon as he would walk around, you know, to his office, it was like, these were the crappiest, like, push-up sit-ups you've ever seen in your life, right? Don't be like Kenny DeChan in a freshman year of high school, right? Like, don't work hard when the boss is watching, when the teacher is watching, when the coach is walking, and then give it you know, like so-so effort. Like followers of Jesus, we should be known for our work ethic. We should be known for our effort. Paul says that our attitude should, should, should be mature, that as genuine followers of Christ, we shouldn't need to be checked up on all the time. Listen, your effort matters. Would you say that with me? Effort matters. Now that you know what you're actually supposed to say, would you say it with me? Effort matters. Now turn to your second choice, the person you didn't look at last time. Look them in the eyes and say, effort matters. Effort matters. Come on. Some of you are like, listen, I I just work in retail. I'm making minimum wage. Can I tell you? Effort matters. Effort matters. Show up early. Show up early. Walk in those doors a few minutes early. Come in and give it your best. And I'm telling you, students in this room, you learn how to do that. You learn how to show up not just as the clock is ticking, you know, to the extra time or like most of our culture shows up late. You learn to show up early and you have a good attitude and you give it your best work. Listen, I'm telling you, there are pagan employers out there who have no use for God, but they will choose you as an employee to promote because of your effort. Attitude matters. Effort matters. Number three, motivation matters. And this is so key, especially for some of you who work in these kind of environments where you're just like, man, I don't know. Your motivation matters. He says in verse 8, Ephesians 6 verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Here's the point. The Lord, the Lord God, will reward each one of us. He, He notices the good that you're doing. When your boss doesn't notice, when you keep getting passed over for raises or passed over, other people are getting promoted that have no business getting promoted, and you just throw up your hands, your teacher, you know, the one who has all these favorites, and you're doing your best, you're putting in the effort, you're working hard, and it seems like the teacher doesn't even notice you. Listen, God sees the effort you're putting in. He sees your attitude, and he will reward you. It's not for naught. It's not for nothing. God sees you and he will reward you. In fact, one of, one of the principles that we see in the word of God is that there will be two judgments at the, end of all, at the end of time. One is simply, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you, have you committed to, to the, receiving the forgiveness of Christ and, and him being the master and leader of your life? And, and when you do, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and that's the first judgment. It's just a yes or no. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Yes or no? That's the first judgment. But do you know there's a second judgment that is just for followers of Jesus? And it's a judgment of what, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the opportunities I gave you? Well, so-and-so, he, he got way better opportunities than I did. That's, that's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you about so-and-so. What did you do with the opportunities I gave you? Were you faithful? Were you faithful? Did you have, did you have the attitude that a follower of Jesus should have? 
listen, we're not going to get the attitude right 100%. Hi, my name is Ken. My attitude is not always what it needs to be 100%. So this is not an invitation for the enemy to come in, come in and condemn you tomorrow. We all, but here, we just say, Lord, as you empower me, as you, as you, I want to have the kind of attitude you want me to have. Because I understand my motivation is not a paycheck. My motivation is that the Lord my God who rescued me, who saved me, that I'm his ambassador, I'm, I represent him, and someday he's going to reward me. And so, man, I, I may be in the worst job in this region, but I'm going to have an attitude that matters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give effort that matters. I'm going to be motivated by the right things, right? So when you came in this morning, you, you received one of these yellow cards. Did everybody get a card? If you didn't, uh, we have some more out in the back, and you can grab one on your way out. And here's just a prayer that I would love for you to pray this week. You don't have to do it for the rest of your lives unless you want to. But this is your homework for the next week. And maybe you want to put this on your dashboard. Maybe you put this somewhere where you're going to be able to find it. But here's just a simple prayer to pray. I'd like you to pray. Would you say this with me? I don't think we have it up on the screen. Do we? I don't think we have. No. But if you would just take that out, and let's, let's read this together. If you don't have one, maybe look at, maybe someone next to you has one, and you can, they can cheese off of you. God, help me to work today with respect and honesty. May I work hard, understanding that I'm ultimately serving you. Grant me an enthusiasm in my work, and may I remember that you will reward me for the good that I do today. That's a great prayer to pray. It's a great prayer to pray multiple times throughout the day. Some of you work in a place where you're like, I'm going to be reading this thing like every two minutes. Hey, God, help me to work today with respect and honesty. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. Right? Grant me enthusiasm in my work. Oh, God, help me, right? Like I... But I'm telling you, God honors these types of prayers. Especially when it comes from a place of humility, especially when it comes from a place of, God, I know, I know I'm missing the mark on this. God, would you, I'm genuinely asking you for your help here because I want to represent you well. See, often the greatest witness that we can give to the people around us is not what happens on Sunday mornings. Often it's how we react and respond to the events that happen to us at work. Work matters it matters i want to encourage you next week when you come back we're going to be talking about some practical just some it's going to, we're going to get real practical of what should you do at the beginning of your work day all the way to the end of your work day the following week we're going to talk about what if your work is causing anxiety in your life how do you deal with the stress of work right that's literally going to tackle that in three weeks how do i deal with the stress of work but for now i'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this isn't the dismissal yet. Some of you are like, yes, just give me a few more minutes. Here's what, I, here's what I'm wondering. Maybe you walked in the doors this morning, and you've heard me several times talk about being a follower of Jesus. In fact, just a moment ago, you heard me talk about a judgment where God is going to look to see if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And maybe, maybe as I said, that there was just kind of like this pause inside of you of, am I a follower of Jesus? Is my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I tell you, you can know. You don't have to wonder, like, I, maybe. You can actually know. 
And the answer isn't to become a member of Journey Church. The answer is that you humble yourself and you have a conversation with God and the conversation goes something like this. God, I recognize that I am sin-stained and sin-covered. I'm broken, I'm helpless and powerless. I, I can't do, I can't do life. I can't do this on my own with my own strength. I've tried. I can't do it in my own strength. I need you, oh God. I believe, God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that he was risen from the grave for me so that my sins could be forgiven. He took upon himself the punishment that I deserve. So Jesus, come and forgive me. Come and be the master of my life. Teach me how to walk. Teach me. Show me how I'm supposed to do life. Empower me. Now, you know, I, I know you're like, I've got to pray all of that exactly. You just mean it. Sometimes the greatest prayer is just, God, help me. I want to follow you. Please forgive me. And God hears that. You don't have to have the eloquence of a preacher up on a platform. But if you're here this morning and you, you say, Ken, I want to give my life to Jesus. Now, listen, this isn't just so that you don't go to hell. This is, God, I want to follow you right here and right now with my life. I want to do the things that you want me to do. I am surrendering my life. No longer is my life and my choices belong to me. I'm giving my life to you. I'm going to ask all over this room if you close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call you forward. But if you're here, and I know there's probably a number of you, just because of the number of people in this room. If you're here and you say, Ken, I, I want to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to be first in my life, priority in my life. I need his forgiveness. I need him to lead my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high so I can pray for you? Man, all over the room, yeah. I see you, I see you, you, you. You, I see you. I see you over there. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. After I've acknowledged you can raise you can lower you. I see you guys all right there. Yeah, I see you guys. I see you right there. More than me seeing you, God sees you. I see you back there. I can lower your hand. Anybody else? Oh guys. You know there's a party going on in heaven right now. There's a celebration going on. I want to invite, if you raise your hand, I want to invite you just to pray. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us to pray this together. And It's not about this formula prayer that we pray. It's, this is the start of a journey of following Jesus. Would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I've sinned against you. I know you died on the cross. You are risen from the grave. So my sins could be forgiven. Have mercy on me. Empower me to fully follow you. Help me to continue this journey of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple things. If you raise, I, I'm, guys, I'm blown away by the number of hands that went up. If you, if you raise your hand, a couple things. First of all, when everybody else is leaving, we have prayer partners that are going to come. In fact, I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come right now. Our, not, you, not my, my prayer partners, our prayer partners. And we have, a, we have a little book that we'd love to give you. It's not a big book. I know most of us aren't into a long book. It's just a really short book that helps you understand the decision that you made today. 
Second, if you would mark your connection card. Remember Pastor Aaron asked all of us to fill out connection cards earlier? If you would just, before you leave, just take a pen real quick and mark, I'm starting or I'm reaffirming my relationship with Christ. Right there where it says my next steps. Please, please mark that. If you mark that, I I just want to, I'm going to send you some text messages this week. I'm going to send you some emails. I'm going to give an invitation to be able to, I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about this. We have other leaders in our church who would love to. to, We just want to coach you and help you to fully follow Jesus. Following Jesus is so much easier when you're doing it with others, right? And so make sure you mark that card. We have some good-looking folks at the back with white buckets. As you're leaving, those connection cards can go in the buckets. But um, know that you are loved. Know that you're loved. Nobody in this room is going to get this perfect this week, okay? Can, just turn to the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. Some of you said that way too excitedly. <laughs> but listen, listen. I do believe when we ask God to help us that he will. He will give us the strength. So God bless you this week. May you know your work matters. Your attitude matters. Your effort matters. Your motivation matters. We'll see you next week. God bless you guys.